Hi, welcome to the Rocks Life podcast. I'm Greg and this week's episode is a little bit different to normal. So I was recently interviewed by the guys on the Rock Zone podcast and we had a really good chat about Hyrox conspiracy theories and how Hyrox races might differ from venue to venue. Um, I've geeked out on this a little bit as you might imagine and looked at the data by station by venue and identified where there may be fairly meaningful differences between certain stations at certain venues and looked at the impact that that potentially has on your finishing time. Um, do make sure if you haven't already to check out the Rock Zone podcast as well. They're a really great group of guys putting out regular fun high rocks based episodes. So subscribe to their podcast when you get a chance and also check them out on Instagram at Rock Zone Pod. Um, also, I just wanted to let you know that I'm now offering a very limited number of nutrition consultations for anyone who wants to address their nutrition or lifestyle to help improve their performance in high rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see a lot of people putting in a lot of effort into their training, but are perhaps failing to fulfill their potential in the sport because their nutrition isn't quite as optimized as it could be to cope with the demands of the race. Um, so if you want to do all you can to get the best time possible in your next event head over to rockslife.com forward slash nutrition now where you can find out more details Uh, okay that's it for now i hope you enjoy the episode hello everyone welcome back to episode 35 of the rock zone me and tom on one side of the line and would you believe special guest special guest greg from rocks life is back and joining us Ooh. virtually on the other side. Greg, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It's an honour. What? Yeah. What? You are, who else? Um, it's yourself and Eddie at the moment that are now multi... Oh, and Lucy. Yeah. That are, that are, that are the trio, the golden trio of um, guests that <laughs> come... Guests, that repeat guests, yeah. So, um, yeah, great to have you back, Greg. I mean, good company. <laughs> um, Very good company. We were going to have a bit of a discussion, a very topical discussion, about what started with Sledgate and then hopefully get into a more holistic discussion about venues and High Rock's consistency, I guess, from a venue's point of view. Um, Greg, I, think, you... I think answering the question or this hypothesis that, you know, are some venues easier to race in than others? Mm. That's kind of a, a big question that we have. Um, and who wanna... better to talk to than the stat man himself? <laughs> I've come armed with a spreadsheet. Yes, <laughs> we love to hear it. Um, well, I think let's get it from 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 Greg's point of view. What is Sledgate? Sledgate was started by yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, and sure. Well, fine. We we started it, but what you picked up on it? You made a YouTube about <laughs> it, Greg. <laughs> uh, so Sledgate really is that uh, in the most recent races, uh, which was Frankfurt, last race of uh, 2022, um, you guys reported that they turned the carpet over for that race, and and I saw you say that before the race, and um, ultimately it looks like sleds were slightly faster that day like not crazy so but certainly slightly faster and um i guess like the the sort of theory or hypothesis behind all of this is that um, the first time that a carpet gets used it looks like it's the sleds are relatively quicker and then the more it gets used it looks like they slow down so like i showed it last season where the sleds look like they slowed throughout the season um and mm. then uh, yeah 
so the, the first time they use they, they get quicker um, and even I think within the day they seem quicker as well so I know some people like at the first race in uh, Basel I think it was like the doubles went out first and then like they were certainly saying like the sleds were lightning and then later on in the day it wasn't so much so then yeah Sledgate is really mm. like you guys reporting that they, they turned the carpets over and it looks like the sleds were quicker as a result of that and then that's had some knock-on effects into uh, really like that doesn't really affect most people but those people that are looking to qualify for the elite races at the regional championships which comes down to the 15 fastest times of the year um, if you raced at Frankfurt you potentially had a slight advantage over others where they didn't have such fast carpet or sleds. Mm. I mean, from an elite's point of view, that would make sense. You're talking about margins, right? You know, it can be a couple of seconds that dictate whether you're going to be racing as part of the elite 15 or not, I guess. Um, but can you tell us in like percentage terms, maybe what does it mean when you say the the sleds get quicker? Because there's exactly 15 or a couple of more people in the world for which these nuanced differences are very, very important. But I think for the mere mortals like us, mm. it's, it's, it's perhaps less significant. So what does it actually mean mm. when it's quicker? Um, so it, so I've, I, I've, I've geeked out on this, as you might imagine, and uh, I, I've, I've, tried to, I've tried to quantify it. So what I've done is I've, I've taken the men's open uh, at each venue so far this season for each uh, station and uh, say there were 800 competitors in the men's open in London. I've looked at who finished 400th, so exactly the midpoint uh, at each station, at each venue. And in theory, those times should be fairly consistent across venues if the overall average standard of the guys there that day is probably similar. Like you, you take the midpoint and it should be fairly similar. Um, and then by doing that, you can you can see whether there are maybe any anomalies by station for like for the sleds or, or whatever else. Um, if I do that, and if I take what at least I mean I'm I haven't had confirmation from Hyrox as to when a carpet is being used for the first time or not, but I've got some assumptions in my head as to, as to when that is because I think America have got their own carpets. I think uh, Spain have. Um, I think Hong Kong has, and then I think there's a carpet for everyone else, like UK, Germany, uh, Switzerland. So mm, okay. I think that's I think that's right. Um, so it, what, in terms of like the, the data behind it, it looks like uh, a sled is around thirty seconds quicker for that midpoint person when it's a first time carpet as opposed to uh, a repeated used one. That is way more than I thought it was going to be. Really, way more. What's the what's the average time for a sled push and pull? Or oh, sorry, are you just talking about the the push for 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 that one? Yes, I'm just, yeah, I'm just I'm just talking push. Yeah, it, it actually interestingly doesn't look like it affects the pull for some reason. Don't know why, but it doesn't. Mm. But uh, like the midpoint person on a a first time used carpet is two minutes thirty nine seconds, and then all other races is three minutes eleven. That is wow. huge, and it's obviously worth noting that, like, the, the, is it worth noting that this car, the carpet flipping thing that that you guys may or may not have uncovered, it is speculation, right? We're speculating that this is what we think has happened. Or I don't is it fact? think I'm actually 
at liberty to comment on it anymore. (laughs) There may may or may not have been certain messages that were sent to our account that said maybe... Regardless, regardless, I guess we're speculating on on how the carpets are used. But it is really interesting that you've mentioned that at the beginning when a fresh carpet is put out there, that it's potentially 30 seconds faster. Mm. Yeah. And that's and just that like, have like, on, like yeah. this methodology is like flawed at the end of the day. Like I'm just choosing yeah. the midpoint person. But if you do it for mm. something like the row or the ski, where like presumably all the machines act similarly between venues and so on, and every, you know there's not a huge amount of variance, then like those midpoint times are very similar across venue. Uh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, not okay. not exactly the same, but um, reasonably similar. But it's quite clear for these first times. So what you're saying for the, for the sled push, the uh, difference that you're finding is significantly larger than across the seven other implements that you're looking at. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there are some differences across some other stations and we can talk about those as well. Oh, okay. Okay. Foreshadowing of what's to come. (laughs) It certainly looks like, yeah, for for those first time carpets, then it's quicker. Okay. Hmm. Well, that's interesting to be continued, I think, because we are speculating a little bit too much beyond anything. We have not taken in the humidity or the latitude of mm. the respective races. Um, those are two complete bogus things, um, in case my sarcasm didn't come across there. Um, but uh, let's maybe start a new conspiracy theory and <laughs> <laughs> park Sledgate for a minute. What, Greg, you said there's going to be, or there, there's other implements that have significant differences. Talk to us. Um, yeah, just give us, just show us, give us some, give us all, all that good data. I'm so, I'm so curious. Okay, well, uh, there's, there's a couple. So, uh, burpee broad jumps. There's no like, there's no carpets or anything that can get involved here. It's just, it's just down to the performance of the athletes on on the day. But there is some reasonably significant differences. Um, between different venues so um i know you guys were in london um, and you might not be surprised to know that london is the slowest burpee broad jump time that, that we've seen so far this season really okay um and the fastest was was the first race of the season in basel but um so the the one main thing that can affect burpee broad jumps is judging standards like london was pretty strict i felt um in terms of burpee broad jumps that mm-hmm. day and it like it just clearly shows in the data um so the the, the midpoint time there was 538 whereas like the median for all the venues is 506 so you know over really? just over 30 another, seconds longer another 30, yeah wow okay um, and would you would you think that is solely down to um, judging decisions. I mean, it, it, do, would you have any insight as to how many penalties were perhaps awarded on, or sorry, dished out, not awarded, um, in in London versus something like Basel? No, you can't, because like, the penalties on the Burpee Broad Jump are really just like go back five meters, where it back, is. So right, okay, like, it's, it's okay. not really recorded. Um, so you just it's, you just look at this midpoint mm. data, and like I say, it's flawed. But it wasn't a surprise to me, like having been there, that that London was was the slowest. Um, mm. And I do think as well, like it's quite clear that uh, I think just before London, I think Kyrox, I think got wind of um, 
you might you might might not have seen it, but there were a couple of videos going around of high level athletes doing some very very bad broad jumps, right? Mm, and oh, really, yeah, I, I believe um, Mintro or whoever got saw those, and then I think there was a bit more of a clampdown on these standards. And you can again, you can see it. Like I said, Basel was the fastest of the season. Like that was the first race, but then I think from just before London to now. Uh, things have got a bit stricter, which is good. Like you don't want people like mm. taking a mick, but it's certainly yeah. you can see. Like if we're talking about just pure consistency from venue to venue, then judging standards is having an impact. Like we, it's, it's, I don't know, people are more interested in talking about sleds and carpets and things like that, but judging standards has as big an impact in reality. Mm. Definitely. Well, I think to put maybe a positive spin on things, and I think Greg was kind of getting to that a little bit. The sport is still in its infancy mm-hmm. and you'd want it to evolve. And if that means that over the course of a season, perhaps one race is less strict than the other one because over the, you know, from race to race, they're getting better at judging and they're being more strict. I think that might just have to be something you mm. accept as an athlete that, look, if you want this sport to evolve, which I think yeah. every participant does, then... You're going to have to expect the the movement standards to be stricter to, and that's definitely because I remember. So our our, our fellow uh, our fellow podcaster Ian Kay oh. um, interviewed Mintra, uh, who is the head race coach. Is that the her title? Head race coach, global uh, race director. There Sorry, you. global race director. I've totally butchered that. Uh, the global race director Mintra on uh, on everything to do with kind of the crafting of 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 the seven of the eight of high rocks itself and how that race evolved and they did discuss the judging standards and how they are getting stricter on that so mm-hmm. that's um that's really interesting to note what what else what else did you have you uncovered greg i've got nice. uh, next is, next greg what, so, what else you got for yeah, us? This is so fascinating. <laughs> i've got so another i've got another conspiracy for you this one yes so um after Early on in the season after Valencia, which was the first Spanish race of the season, a, a couple of people wrote to me and said, have you heard anything about the wall ball targets being higher over in Spain? And I was just like, I just, no, but like, I brushed it off and I just thought, oh, this is just, you know, everyone thinks their course is a tough one when they race it and I sort of brushed it off. But then um, after Madrid, which has happened relatively recently, Terra Jackson was there. Terra's one of the, the best women in, in the sport. I follow her on Instagram. She does a ton of wall balls. And she went to Madrid and she came home and she said, I'm convinced those wall ball targets are too high in Spain. And I was like, man, that's funny. I've, I've heard that before. Okay. And then um, someone commented on her post. I think it was Marcus Frisson, who had a couple of athletes over there. He said, yeah, they said the same. Um, and I was like, okay, there might be something to this. So when I looked into this data, you can see that the... The, the, the Spain wall balls are slower than you know what what we might have in the rest of Europe or in the USA, um, and whether that's whether that truly is because their wall ball targets are higher or not, um, I don't know. But there's certainly been enough people to have said it, and the data backs it up now as well. Mega conspiracy. <laughs> what what? So what was the what were what were the? Could you yeah? What were the like quantifiable differences then from perhaps that that Spain race compared to others? So in 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 Spain, like so, there's been uh, what's there been? There's been Valencia and 
Madrid um, this season. So the, the 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 median midpoint time of those is six forty eight. In USA is six eleven, and then like the rest of the the venues is six twenty five. So not crazy, but like Spain is say twenty uh, three seconds longer than uh, the rest of Europe. Mm. Hmm. I had not. That's just. It's just like an. It's so. It's so bloody hard. I imagine for them to try and account for mm. all of. I guess when you dig into it in a bit more detail, like standardizing all of that, must be just a nightmare. Well, this is this is really interesting because Ben um, said in response to seeing the 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 jungle gym or whatever you want to call it, the Warble Station in Frankfurt, he said it looks different from the one that we had most recently in the UK, in London. And I dismissed that pretty quickly and said, no, that's rubbish, Ben. It's it's always going to be the same. Surely it's just a, a big metal frame that you put down. Mm. But apparently you might be able to adjust the height here or there. <laughs> but what do they gain from adjusting the height? I don't, I, they're, they're, there's nothing to gain from No, that. no, of course. But it's, yeah. Hmm... Mm. It, I mean, it does say it sounds like just some silly conspiracy, really. But it, you know, a few legit people have said it, and and the data backs it up. So amazing, amazing. Um, we're going to pause one second because these headphones are breaking. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's stop for one second. Sorry, Greg. Oh, oh, the, the the these. It might be. I don't know if it's. Maybe it sounds like you're becoming turning into a robot. Yeah, it sounds it sounds awful. Literally... Put it put put it back in and then just uh, just check if it's not these. Mm, nice bit of earwax there, Max. Right. See see if it's better now. You put it. Can you can you um can you just say something quickly, Greg? Hello. Yeah, Hello. That's, that's better. Yeah. Is yeah. It? yeah try right, it now. Okay. That's so weird. Yeah, it must be the headphones. Yeah, you were turning into a Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens sometimes. Awful. <laughs> uh, sorry, okay. where were we? So we we were talking right. about Spain. Let's just let's just pick the conversation back up from, right. from but, there. So we've we've discussed Sledgate. We've now also discussed the burpee situation in London mm-hmm. being slower than than other venues, and speculating that that could be clamping down on the judging, which we think is a good thing. Warblegate could now be a thing with Spain. <laughs> I don't know how much more how much more you want to dig. We're gonna we're gonna start having athletes come to races with measuring tapes (laughs) and measuring the height of the of the target. What have we started here? I think maybe let's just get to our own opinions here. Um, I mean, you've not raced a high rocks in a while, but Mm. still, you know, your opinions. But before we get into the opinions, the last thing I wanted to say, I think, is if you're if you're kind of someone that's thinking about, you know what's the easiest venue for me to go and race or like what's the quickest venue for me to go in to go and enter i think i think it boils it boils down to ultimately if you're just entering the open it it probably doesn't matter too much you're probably not going to have a margin it's going to have marginal differences on your times you know where where you do race um obviously if you're a pro then then then, then those marginal times might be a big difference but I'm kind of going back on myself quickly here as well. The last thing that I wanted to touch on that might make a race different for you is, I guess, the geography. So where you're doing it, you know, if you're if you're a UK athlete and you go and race in Germany, 
you're going to have a very different experience, maybe culturally, because that person that's shouting at you to do the warbles might be shouting in German. And I don't know what effect that has on, you know, on Mark, especially our friend. You know, he didn't speak German, so he didn't know what the unfortunately what the what the judge was saying and he turned around and asked her and she eventually then said in english um no rep so then he realized that he was he was doing it wrong but um yeah that's kind of that was the last thing i think i wanted to touch on was maybe the just yeah if you're if you're just keeping that bearing that in mind as well that kind of cultural difference Mm. but um i think yeah my my initial thought on this to try and wrap this up is Ultimately, if you're just entering a high rocks as a as a as an athlete and you're not going into the pro division, it's probably not really going to matter too much. And we pick and get nitpicky about these things, but that's because we are nerding out on it because we're nerds and have a podcast about it. Yeah. It's pretty annoying, dude, that you said we're not getting to opinions, then did your opinion, and also stole the exact <laughs> same point that I was going to say. I kind of butchered that summary. So sorry. I'm going to have to ask Greg what his opinion is and then circle back to me because I now need to think of a new point because you've said exactly what I wanted to say. You're very welcome. But, 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 I mean, I agree. Like you, should, you shouldn't worry about it and try and game it and try and find the best venue for you because like you're just... You, there's just too many like pros and cons of different venues and for most people it don't matter we're talking seconds and also like I, I did a post on this a little while ago but it's it's just part of the sport right like there's, you can't do a marathon that's completely the same you can't like, certainly football matches aren't yeah. the same like, it's just part of the sport I kind of like knowing mm. or, or kind of like not knowing that I don't quite know how a sled is going to feel before the race like it, it sort of adds a bit of excitement or, or like you know whether you're going to get some dodgy judge decisions or have to cope with a busier track and all of those things like if if you knew exactly what to expect every time you could just do a simulation in the gym and just like just know where you're going to end up at the end of the day so i think I, it's, it's part of the sport and like it's kind of adds to the enjoyment for me in reality like i'm not i'm not competing for those elite spaces so i'm not I'm not too fussed that someone in Frankfurt got an easier course than maybe I, I did at a different course. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I kind of like these differences in reality. That's such an interesting point. Sport is inherently a little bit luck-based. And High Rocks is still a sport at the end of the day. So, But, not that we're that interested, Greg, but what, but what is the fastest venue? <laughs> <laughs> If you do it, if if you look at the like that midpoint method, purely based on finishing times, it was Frankfurt uh, this past weekend. Really, but I think like you know, it, it feels like there was slightly higher um, standard of athlete there. Um, but like that eighty meter straight burpee board jump, the sleds were quick. There was two and a half laps versus like you know three or four in some venues, and also mm. like an absence of anything that could have slowed it down like a, a zigzagging farmer's carry or anything like that um i think it was just you know just all, mm. all set up to be a reasonably quick venue so yeah it was it was, it was, it was quicker so eddie's time is false <laughs> no we're joking we're joking we're joking but um and and just a quick question what was the slowest time this year average uh the the, the slowest was hong kong but like oh. um, there's uh, most of the athletes there were doing that for their first time, so I was gonna mm, say, yeah, it must be because of the the newbie yeah. kind of aspect. And Second, we all know how much race management plays into. Second slowest was Chicago. Oh. Chicago, explain that, America. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm. Um, before we get into um, a rabbit hole of creating conspiracies and pissing <laughs> off a whole continent, maybe let's uh, let's stop. Let's stop there. Um, I don't think I have an opinion to share. Um, I think I really liked Greg's sporting analogy, and you stole my point, so I'll just I'll just take that on board. Um, the only thing that I can say is from a and you have no control on this whatsoever because you don't know when you when you sign up for a high rocks months in advance what the layout is going to be ah here's here's my point i've now thought of it i've now thought of my point okay so you don't know when you sign up months in advance or hopefully months in advance what the layout of the venue is going to be that you're going to be racing in at least not for most. Greg might do because he has an archive of every single race map ever to be mm. created. He has a whole blueprint file. But everyone else, probably not. <laughs> so you might have a rough idea as to what's going on. But even in Birmingham, for instance, last year and this year... Totally different. Completely different. It was still, in my opinion, the most grandiose event they've ever done. Yes. It was massive, absolutely massive. So if you're going into Birmingham having raced last year thinking, oh, I really like this because they had a really big warm-up zone for me to practice in, well, tough luck. They might have completely rejigged it this this time round. So it's, I think it's three for three. We've all offered different perspectives. Don't worry about the venue you're going to get what you're going to get, but it's high rocks. It's going to be awesome. It's going to work well. Can we agree on that? Yeah. I mean, the, the the biggest impact will be how much you prepared for it, surely. Yes. So that goes without saying. Or how sled... high the warble targets are. Wow. Isn't that right, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> or even, not going to push itself. Even what start time you get at the same venue like if you if you go out immediately after the doubles like and the running track's crazy busy versus uh, two hours later when it's quieter like so even even if you knew the the setup knew what it was going to look like if, if your start time's different it's different so you just got to deal with what, whatever's put in front of you at the end of the day and we're athletes we race high rocks there's nothing we cannot do nice <laughs> should we end it on that yeah i think so any 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 final um, yeah stats or comments that you that you want to share, Greg? Uh, no, no, I've, I've I've done enough. No more conspiracies. <laughs> <laughs> done, we've done enough damage today. Yeah, yes. Let's fingers crossed. This doesn't. This doesn't. Uh, we don't get told. Might be the best one. episode ever. It's the hard hitting. Might also be the last the episode we ever make. Sleuthing <laughs> detective work of Rock Zone and Rock's life. Mm. I'll um, finish. Like in terms of like. For High Rocks, just saying, like I think they do a good job of, of standardising the venues as much as possible. Like they, they want it. It's not like they're just ignoring it or anything like that. And you know, people like us come up with these crazy conspiracies. But um, I think they are doing their best at the end of the day. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Goes yeah. without saying, but it doesn't hurt to say it anyway. So thank you very much, Greg, uh, for yeah. covering all of our backs <laughs> by saying that. <laughs> right? Should we call it? Yeah. Brilliant. I think I think Greg's gonna gonna lead the uh, the sign off because he knows he knows how we do it. <laughs> Rock zone out. Rock zone out. Rock zone out. Perfect. Nice. All right. <laughs>